Uh, let's start by saying hi to all the men at the Ramsey unit again. Guys, we are so glad that you are tuning in with us today. Um, listen, I'm hoping that what this season you're in, that this can be an opportunity for you to be as close to God, closer than you've ever been before. And we're honored as a church to get to be a part of that with you. So we're praying for you guys. I uh, also want to say hi to everyone that watches um, online from all over. If you're in the area, though, you got to come to one of the campuses because something special is happening, right? Am I right? All right, so come join us. And if you're from afar, then keep watching online. That's awesome. And then if you're new here, you might not know this, but we have two other campuses that meet each week. We have one at uh, Shepherd in Washington. That's our West End campus. Then we also have our Missouri City campus, which is uh, Knights Court Highway 6. Uh, That's where I have the privilege of pastoring each week. So sorry I couldn't be there with you guys. But if you're new, we've had so many new faces, be sure to meet T today. He'll help you get connected, and I'll check in on you later on. So, so glad we are all here, and I have even better news than all of that, and that is today we start a marriage series. Okay. Going to be honest, wasn't prepared for that unknown reaction. I think part of it is this, because some of you in the room are singles, and all the singles, the moment I said marriage series, you did this. That's right. You rolled your eyes. That's the annoyed emoji, just a lot bigger. Uh, And you thought, here we go, another message that has nothing to do with me. Or maybe you thought, this is just a reminder. I'm still single. Thank you so much, mister. Uh, And let me say this to you. Let me say this to you, um, particularly for those of you that marriage is going to be on the cards down the road. Sooner or later, we don't know. I can't tell you, but here's what I can say. Uh, what you really want is not just to be married. You want a great marriage. And sometimes we get so focused on trying to get married, we miss the opportunity to do the prep work for a great marriage. And uh, and I can tell you, after the the first service today, people came up and said, gosh, I wish I had heard these things before I got married. So singles, this is your chance, man. If you want to lean in and to hopefully get some really helpful stuff. So don't tune out. Tune in. It's going to be great. All right. Now with that, let's start at the beginning. Okay. If we're going to talk about marriage We've got to go back to the beginning. So we go back to the creation story in Genesis where God instituted marriage. It starts in Genesis 2. Let me read a couple verses. We'll talk about it. Then we'll dive in. Genesis 2 verse 18 says this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. And boom, right out of the gate, you go, helper. (laughs) This is why I don't go to church, bruh. Because y'all do this weird stuff, helper. What is that? You think I'm not worthy? You think I'm not capable? Listen, I hear you. And that's not true at all. In fact, this word could also be translated the opposite of. And I find that to be significantly more helpful. Here's why. Because when you get married, and and even just good relationships in your life, when you get married, typically you are attracted to someone opposite than you. You don't have to look at your spouse. I already know. You attracted to somebody opposite of you. And what we see is the things that one has as a strength, the other has as a weakness, and vice versa. When you bring those together, they balance each other out. 
whether it's personality or it's gifting or it's how you see life or it's experience, there's a beautiful thing that happens when two come together because they balance each other out. And so God brought the opposite of Adam to walk with him, just like for those that are married, I hope you see God's done a similar thing. Now, you got to be careful because sometimes those differences lead to lots of conflict. So we got to see the balance here, but it's a beautiful thing that God was doing. Let's keep going. Then it says, so the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. And I love what God did here is basically God's bringing these animals across, and we know from other parts of Scripture there were two at a time, and he's noticing there's a partner for everyone, and he's realizing, but not for me. And I think what God was doing is such a cool thing. He was allowing Adam to grow a sense of what was missing so that he might fully appreciate what he had when the time came. And I think seasons of appreciating for those that are singles, appreciate the time of singleness, and for those that are married, stop wishing you were single, appreciate being married. Appreciate. So we're like, this is getting tense right out of the gate. It's going to be a long day. Buckle up. And do not hit your spouse at any point, okay? No elbowing, no like, that's what I'm talking about. I told you, you're the problem. Don't do that. It's not healthy. All right, let's keep going. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Now, I like this. Now, we're getting into some of the supernatural here. These are things that only God can do. Uh, so if you're wrestling with that, totally understand. This is part of faith. I encourage you to lean in. We're always happy to talk to you outside, lobby, uh, down front, whatever. But I want to point this out. The ribs come from where? Come from the side. And there's a cool little thing here that I think is helpful. Notice that God didn't take from Adam's head so that Eve would rule over him, but God also didn't take from Adam's feet so that she was to be trampled by him. He came from the side. So the two of them could walk through this thing together. But then God added a nice little touch. It, the rib comes from under the arm. And it's the picture of to be protected. And ladies, I want you to hear me. It's not protected because you need it. It's protected as a gift from God that there is someone to look out for you and to walk with you and to hold you close. And then the last piece is the rib is close to the heart, which is a reminder that scripture tells us that men you are to love your wives. And so even in God's intricate creation, there was this attention to detail that is a reminder to us that everything matters to him. And he is thinking through all things far beyond anything we could imagine. It's amazing. He keeps going. It says this, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and brought her to the man. At last, I don't know if that was even justice enough. He probably screamed at the top of his lungs. At last, he exclaimed. This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. I want you to notice the word brought. This is the wedding. Just like for those that are married, you had your, your dad or maybe grandfather or the father figure in your life walk you down the aisle in a similar way. God walked Eve to Adam and presented her to him. And then what did Adam do? He busted into poetry. Gentlemen, I hope that's what you did on your wedding day. You were so overwhelmed, you just poetry flew out of you, right? Maybe, I don't know, if you're single, there's still time. But what a beautiful picture, right? This is the wedding. And so God brings this all together. I'll read the last piece just to close down this section. It says, this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two 
are united into one. And what a beautiful picture, right? Everything's wonderful. There's no arguing. There's no mishap. There's no chores. It's just life together. There actually were chores, but they enjoyed them. That's a different story. And so life is just perfect and great. And then all of a sudden we get to Genesis chapter 3. And we don't have time to read it, but I just want to paraphrase it to you. Here's what happened. Genesis chapter 3, sin enters into the world. God gave Adam and Eve clear instruction. The devil came in the form of a serpent, and he deceived Adam and Eve, both of them together. And in that deception, they disobeyed what God had asked them not to do, the one and only thing he asked them not to do. And because of that disobedience, enter into the world sin, enter the world brokenness. And in addition to that, there's now tension between man and woman or just man in general, and there's separation between man and God. This is why the cross and Jesus are so important. Without Jesus, we're still separated from God. And so it's no wonder that in our relationships and in our marriages that we find ourselves in conflict because the world and the people in it are broken, not to mention there's a few other things. We have differences in our personality, our expectations, the way we see the world, our gender, our communication styles, our values, our family of origin, how we were raised, the home we grew up in, the parents we had. When you mix all of this together, it becomes this boiling pot that leads to conflict and to fighting. And it's no surprise. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to enter into a message series talking about conflict and marriage, we're calling it fighting fair. And the idea is not to encourage you to fight more, but rather to help us knowing that conflict and fighting are going to happen. The hope is we can come together to figure out how to do this in a way that's effective and helpful and leads to resolution. Well, what's awesome about this series is that even though it's going to be rooted in marriage, the principles will apply across all relationships. So you're going to have opportunity to work on your relationship with parents, with friends, with coworkers, all by learning how to better deal with conflict. And so I think it's going to be helpful. But then some of you might go, well, this is kind of, I don't know if I like this. Is fighting okay? Is it right? Should we fight? I thought we were not supposed to fight. Help me understand this. And again, we don't want to encourage you to fight more, but we want to encourage you how to fight well and appropriately and so to do that, I'm going to use an analogy today that has to do, not with football, even though it's the Super Bowl, has to do with boxing. Now, boxing is a great sport. It's not my favorite sport, if I'm being honest. But it is a great analogy for fighting in relationships, particularly in marriage. But with that, can I just pause and just throw something out here? Uh, what I'm going to use today, this analogy, I believe is going to be tremendously helpful for you. It's going to paint a picture that will be clear. But I want to say this from the top, and I want this to be crystal clear. We are using the analogy of boxing because it makes sense. But I want you to hear me. Never in any marriage relationship or any relationship outside of a boxing ring, and I mean this with all seriousness, should there be physical contact in the form of fighting or physical abuse. In no way would I ever, you can clap for that. Thank you, the one person back there. So hear me very, very clearly. This analogy, as we unpack it, you're going to see it be tremendously helpful. But please put it in its proper context. 
physical fighting in a marriage is not okay. We don't want that. We don't endorse that. Okay. Now, with that, let's jump in because I think this is going to be helpful. Okay, number one part of a boxing is there is a fight. There is a fight. Again, not physical. You got the point? All right, I can say it again. Not physical. You can bump your neighbor. That's the only thing. That's allowed. Okay, it's about as far as it goes. There's a fight, though. And in a fight, in a boxing fight, the point of the fight is to win. It's to destroy your opponent to get as many points. So at the end of the day, you're the one with the arm raised. But in the boxing realm, in the training sessions, they don't box to kill each other. They spar to develop each other. And so in a similar way, that's how we want to approach our fights and our conflicts in marriage. We're not trying to destroy each other, but rather we're trying to develop in the process of working through our differences and our conflicts so that it might lead to healthy resolution. The second part of boxing is in every fight, there are fighters. In every marriage, there's two fighters. And there's two types of fighters, I'm going to add. Some of you in the room and some of you watching online, you avoid the fight. That's not your thing. When things get heated and tensious, you tend to just step on back. All righty, figure it out there, right? So for you, you tend to pull back a little bit. You might think things like, oh, I, I know I should say something or that really bothered me, but I don't, I don't want to upset anyone or I'm not, I don't, this isn't the right time. And you tend to pull back. And here's what I want to just give you a thought on. You want to be careful there because if you hold on to things long enough without sharing it, what happens is it grows and it builds and it becomes, it can often lead to bitterness, anger, which ultimately leads to resentment. And if you're really not careful, it can lead to an explosion where essentially the gloves come off and, man, you're ready to just go to war because this has been building up. And so for those that avoid the fight, I want to encourage you to be careful with that. To be careful with that. There's a great verse that might be helpful. Ephesians 4, 26 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. What it's saying here is two key principles. It's promptness and resolution. We want to be prompt to come to resolutions in our conflicts so they don't build and grow over time. And we want to get to a place of resolution so that there can be peace and you can actually sleep at night. Now, I'll give you a little caveat here. Um, I think this comes with a bit of a maturity stage. So some of you might, be, even because of this message, and if that happens, I do apologize, but you might get in a fight tonight. And, and in the fight, if you start late and it just keeps going and going, and next thing you know, it's 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, there might be a point where you do need to pause and just go to sleep because you might kill each other if you don't. So there's a mature angle here I want you to take, but the key is promptness and resolution. So if you tend to avoid the fight, be careful that we don't let things build. But then there's another group of you, and you don't avoid the fight, you love the fight. In fact, for those of you when your blood starts boiling, when those emotions start running, it's like a song just went off in the back of your head. Your husband looked at you sideways. He came home late. He hung the picture in the wrong spot. Maybe your wife, I don't know, my wife's perfect, so I can't list anything. That was good. I, she was in the last service. Dang it. Someone send her that. But man, for some of us, oh, if we're honest, 
Man, we love to fight. Oh, that actually hurt. <laughs> How do they do this? <laughs> you love to fight. And you're not afraid of the fight. There is nothing that could make you go like this. You just amp up. And here's what I want to say to you. And, I'm, and I understand you because I'm more like you. For those of us not afraid of conflict, we have to be careful, though, too. Because like on the other side, we can let things build up and fester and grow to a dangerous place. For us, we can tend to just run each other over and say horrible things to each other. Proverbs 15.1 helps us out a little bit. It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, it's not a guarantee if you're not afraid of conflict that you always say it in a way that's hurtful. But there's a good chance that we're quick to speak and slow to think. And so for you, for me, those that love the fight, we do have to be careful because we can really make a mess. Let's keep going with our analogy. I'm going to keep these on for now. One of you want to come up here? Take you out. All right. Let's talk about the ring. So in every boxing match, there is a, uh, we'll say a set main event. And in that main event, that's when the throwdown really happens. But it's a set time and a set place. So for us in marriage, we want to remember that not every time and not every place is a good time or place to duke it out. It's not smart. Like, in fact, I'm going to give you five. I looked this up. I'll give you five of the worst places to fight. You ready? You might be surprised by some of these. Number one, in front of the TV. Thought that was interesting. I didn't like it because I do that a lot. Okay? In front of the TV. Why? Because I guess you're not paying attention. That's what I do. I don't pay attention. Then afterwards I say, oh, sorry about that. All right, here we go. In front of the TV, in front of your kids, in front of your kids. Now, let me pause there and say, I want to give you a little caveat there. I do believe we should avoid fighting in front of our kids as much as we can. However, I do think that if our children never see us have conflict that leads to conflict resolution, we miss out on the opportunity to show them what that can look like in marriage. So let's avoid fighting all the time in front of our kids, but when it does happen, let's model well how to get to that end result, and it'll teach them far better than our words will. Another one, in public, in public. So for those of you that right now, you're ready to throw down right now because this guy's stirring all this up, and it's, been, it's time for, I've, I've been avoiding the fight, but not today, buddy, I'm coming. Maybe wait till at least in the lobby, or maybe when you get home. But I got news for you, don't do it in the car because that's number four. Number four, worst place to fight was in the car. I'm not sure why. I feel like it's a pretty safe place. You're contained in a box. You can't go anywhere. You got to deal with it. But apparently while you're driving, it's not safe to get your emotions whirled up and to have conflict. So don't do it in the car. And then the last one, I thought this was a no-brainer, but it made the list. Uh, when you're in opposite rooms, apparently it's difficult to resolve conflict when you're in two different rooms. Again, thought that was a no-brainer, but there you go. Write that down. It made the list. So the point is, not every place and not every time is a good place and time to fight. So we want to think about that as we're navigating conflict. Let's keep going. Rules. Every fight, every game you know has rules. We're going to cover this really deeply in week four. But there are rules. Even in UFC, one of the most violent sports on the planet. I, I, I'm sure that's true. Maybe not. I don't know. There are a couple rules. You can't hit below the belt. You can't gouge out someone's eyes. Those are great rules. Keep you safe. Really great in marriage, by the way, right? It's, it's a good rule. And so the thought is, hey, there might be some things we could put in place to make sure while we're navigating conflict, we do it in a way that's productive and helpful and leads us to the end resolution that leads us to a better place. We develop through it. Then it goes on. It says a referee. 
In every boxing match, an official one, there's a referee. And that referee is there for one reason, not to take sides, but to help make sure that there is order amongst the event. And so not every fight in our marriage or in our relationships is going to have a referee. We know that. But there might be some of us that even right now, we are finding ourselves in a place where it might be wise to bring in a referee. A referee might look like a counselor, might look like a pastor, or maybe a mentor couple that you both trust. They can come in and help you to navigate this without taking sides. But there's a second group of people that are here, and it's your corner. In every boxing match, you notice in between rounds, the boxers will go back, they'll take a seat, and there's a corner of people that have been training them, encouraging them, supporting them. They're bringing them the tools that they need. They are on their side and have their back. The corner might look like a close friend. It might look like a personal mentor to you, or it might be a parent. But I have to make a really important point here that I need you to listen to. Your corner... Those folks in your corner do not make great referees because they are seeing through you as the lens. Let me put it in an example that I think will be helpful while I try to take these off. Today, there's a big game happening. It's called the Super Bowl. There will be two teams. Most of us don't know who they are. But what we do know is that there will be somebody at the game, and we'll all be wondering how many times will we see her. That's Taylor Swift. That's really the game. What's the score? How many times did she show up on the screen? That's the score. But let's just imagine for a moment. The game happens today. Travis Kelsey makes a diving catch. Don't think he'll look like that, but it was cool. He makes a catch, but it looks like he might have dropped it. He might have catch it. We're not sure. And so the referee is having to make a decision. Could you imagine if the referee tonight just goes, hold on. Taylor! Did he catch it or not? What do you think she's going to say? She's going to say yes. Why? Because she's in Travis's corner. Right? Everything she sees is through her love and appreciation for him. And so when the referee is more in your corner than looking at the, the rules and the big picture to help get to a resolution, the corner we see does not make a great referee. So calling your parents... Oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes they can't help but look through you as the lens. So we want to be careful. We have so many great people we want to bring into our life, to bring into our marriages. But we want to make sure we keep them in proper places so that we can move to appropriate ways. And tonight's going to be so much fun. Listen, let me tell you something about, it's the second service, I have a little longer. Let me tell you something about Taylor Swift. I already feel like I'm in trouble, but I haven't said anything yet. I think that Taylor Swift... Uh, is not the perfect role model. I wouldn't say that. Summer music's not perfect. My daughter loves her. There are some songs we try to keep her away from. So she's not the perfect role model. However, I just want to say for those of you that have really been bothered by how many times Taylor Swift shows up on the screen, I've been thinking about this through my daughter. This is counseling. Thank you for listening to me. Um, <laughs> I am very happy. One that my daughter watches football now. That's a win. But on a side note, I like her seeing a woman like Taylor Swift that is so powerful, yet still taking time to support her man. I think there's something cool about that. There's something cool about it. Taylor is her own person doing her own thing, and yet taking time to support Travis. And I think tonight's tonight he's going to pop the question. That was free. Someone put a bet on it. I think it's going to happen. So anyways, 
I've been processing that. You can disagree. That's all right. We'll pretend that wasn't part of the message. That was just me. We've got to be friends, right? We need friends too, all right? It's lonely up here. Okay, the last one is the gloves. I took them off because I was sweating. But the gloves, the gloves have to stay on in our conflict because when the gloves come off, it becomes a street fight. When the gloves come off, we're just there to destroy. We're not there to develop. And so the gloves are tremendously helpful for us because they keep everything in proper perspective. Now, let's do something fun because half of you in the back have been asleep. It's time to wake up. Let's do something fun. Are you ready? Okay, now listen carefully. In one moment, I'm going to put a picture on the screen. When I put the picture on the screen, I'm going to give you about seven seconds. Then I'm going to go three, two, one. At one, I'm going to ask you, and those watching online, West End, Missouri City, I'm going to ask you to add a medium tone voice to just shout out what you see. Now listen, this takes instruction and following instruction. And if you can't do this, this might be why a lot of your fights happen in marriage, because you can't follow instruction. That was free of charge. Okay, is everybody ready? All right, here we go. I'm going to put the picture up, give you a couple seconds to look, then I'm going to go three, two, one, and you're going to shout the answer. Everybody ready? Okay, picture, go. Look at it. Don't say anything. What do you see? Well, don't say anything yet. Just think about it. Here we go. Three, two, one. What do you see? Okay. I couldn't tell actually what you said. That's all right. All right. Raise your hand all, all over Mo City. Look around. Raise your hand. Who saw the duck? All right, who saw the rabbit? Now who can't not see the rabbit? Isn't it crazy? That was me too. I saw the duck all the way, and now that I saw the rabbit, I can't not see the rabbit. It's insane. Now listen, listen, listen. Some of you are like, my head hurts. This was church. What are you doing to me? Now listen, listen, listen. This is important. Listen. Listen. Most conflicts in our relationships, particularly in our marriage, come from looking at the same issue from different perspectives. The same issue from different perspectives. Let's just imagine for a moment Wives, you asked your husband five weeks ago to hang a picture up. You gave him clear instruction where to hang it, how high to hang it. And then five weeks later, you go out to do your hair, nails, whatever it is you do. And your husband, for honest, because football season's over, found some time. Uh, that was a joke. Chill out. Right. Found some time to hang the picture for you while you were gone. The only problem is... The game was on when you were giving him instruction. And so he didn't listen five weeks ago where to put it. But he remembered that you wanted him to hang it. And so he went out there and just a good old boy, he just tried to put it up there for you. And you got home. He's all excited thinking you're going to be pumped that he finally did it. He feels accomplished. Check it off the box. And you come home and you go, really? Really? <laughs> the music starts. Don't do it. I'm kidding. It's on the wrong wall, it's crooked, and it's not even the right height. And immediately you have an issue. Now, I want, to see, I want you to see something. Two things happened here, and none of them had to do with really the picture. See, for five weeks, the wife felt perceived neglect because her husband just ignored her, didn't do what she asked. But then the husband finally did it, 
And she comes home and criticizes, and now he feels perceived threat. Here's what's interesting. At almost every conflict we will find ourselves in, there are two fundamental core issues. Perceived threat or perceived neglect. Perceived threat is this. One person, go to the next slide if you don't mind. One person feels unjustly blamed or controlled. That was the husband because he thought he did it and then he did it. Perceived neglect is one person feels neglected or that you don't care. Of course the picture was the issue, but the root of it were two different angles. I want to tell you about the biggest fight that my wife and I have ever been in since we have been married and before we knew each other. It was early in our marriage. We were a couple years in, and um, I was very busy. I was doing ministry at the time. I was running a film company on the side. She was working. We were just living life. We had friends. We were doing all these things, and time was getting away from us, and we were starting to become pretty distant. And my wife had an expectation of what she thought marriage was, what it should be, what it should be like. She saw that from her family of origin and how she grew up. And I, though I didn't necessarily see that or not see that, for me, I was just doing what I knew. Getting out there, getting things done, having a good time. Long story short, that finally culminated to my wife getting to a place where she just felt like I did not care. And she wanted to fix that. So one day... I come home, I walk into the door, and I must pause and give you a little uh, update here. I love technology. Um, I love TVs. There was a season in my life where I wasn't allowed to go to Best Buy because I would just come home with the TV. So I went to counseling. We fixed that. Uh, it's called Sarah Counseling, and uh, she fixed it for me. But So my point is we have a lot of TVs, a lot of technology. So I walk in the house one day, and I can see straight ahead into the living room when I get there. And I look, and I realize that the TV in our house is gone. And I think, we just got robbed. <laughs> I've never been robbed before. I don't even know what to do. Like, are they still in the house? I mean, I like to think I'm brave, but it's funny how in the moment, all of a sudden, I'm a flight guy too. I'm out of here. And so I'm thinking, man, I don't know. So I take a couple of steps in, and I see there's, there's something kind of hanging on the wall. Something I didn't recognize. So I come around the corner, and there's a piece of paper with handwriting where the TV was. And I remember thinking, what robber leaves a note? Like, who, who does that? And I come a little bit closer, and I look at the note, and I realize that the handwriting on the note is my wife's handwriting. And she wrote a Bible verse on it. Still confused. I walk into the bedroom where there was another TV, and that, that TV was gone as well. And there was a scripture verse there. Along with scripture verses all throughout the house. See what happened. Fast forward here. My wife got to a place where she felt her only option was to remove the biggest distraction between her and I. So she came into the house with someone who remains unnamed for their sanctity of life. And they removed all the TVs from the house and put a Bible verse in place. Now I'm telling you this because I've got to be honest with you. When I got home that day and processed everything that happened, I'm going to tell you, this, hasn't happened, this hadn't happened before, it hadn't happened since, but in that moment, I looked around and I felt emotions and feels that I had never felt before, and I left that house, got in my car, I didn't even know where I was going, but I left thinking, I am not sure I will ever come back. That's how angry I was. Now we look back. We both wish we had handled that differently, but the truth is, for me, I have to own my part, is that I regret so terribly 
that she felt that desperate, that that felt like a good option. That was on me. Now, I share that with you because that is what we're talking about. For her, it was perceived neglect. You don't even love me. You don't care about me. You don't spend time with me. And for me, it was perceived threat. I can't believe you took that. You, ah, ah. You can imagine. It was dark. At most of our issues, there is something deeper. Very rarely is it the picture on the wall or the theft of TV. It is typically perceived neglect or perceived threat. So it's Super Bowl weekend tonight. We don't know who's going to win. But here's what I'm talking Okay, that's good. Texans aren't in it. That's cool. Um, maybe they can. Just kidding. That's not what they said. There's something in the football world, though, that was created not too long ago, and it's called the Brady Effect. The Brady Effect originated out of Tom Brady, one of the greatest quarterbacks. I'm not in the mood to argue. I don't care. One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And Tom Brady got this, uh, I, I guess, this idea, this Brady Effect idea came because when Tom Brady had the ball at the end of a game, it didn't really matter how much time was left. As long as time was left, something could still happen. And he proved it numerous times. Now, I'm taking that out of the football world, and I want to present it to you today. Because I just want you to know that we understand as a church that there are guaranteed people that are in a place of conflict, hostility, and their marriage that seems like it's the borderline of the end or a crisis that's unbearable. And I just want to say to you, to everyone watching, listen, if you are still breathing, there is still time for something to happen. And the choice is in your hands. It's in your hands. And so we want to encourage you in the midst of conflict, but particularly for those big moments. If you need a ref, go get a ref. If you're not walking with God, I want to encourage you to start there because he's the one that's going to hold us up through this. And then I want to encourage you to hug your spouse, love your spouse, but talk to and with your spouse and try to navigate this because it doesn't have to be the end. If you are still breathing Something can still happen. And then our hope is with this series over the next couple weeks, we're going to be able to come alongside each other. And we're going to learn how to walk through conflict in a better way that's healthy, that leads us to unity rather than division. And we know that's what God wants, and so therefore it's our desire for you. And by the way, we are first just doing it ourselves. As I remember that day, I remember thinking, I don't know if I'm coming back. But I can tell you years later, I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did. We're praying for you. We're walking with you. Next week, we're going to talk about the five big reasons you nudged your spouse all day. The five big reasons you fight in marriage. And we're going to give you some helpful things to navigate that. It's going to be wonderful. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you. God, we are, uh, we're so grateful to be here. And Lord, I know, I know that with all of those that are a part of this today, we're coming from different places. Guys, I just, I just feel there are some of us here that are really struggling. And so, God, we need you to intervene. God, remind us of some of these things just as we get started here.
There's a time and a place. Remind us, Lord, we, we want to develop. We don't want to destroy. God, help us to keep the gloves on. Let's, Lord, help us with all of these things. Because at the end of the day, you, you brought us our spouse so that together we could navigate this thing. We can make an impact for your kingdom. We can pour into others' lives. We can help raise these wonderful children. God, we need each other. And so would you meet us where we are for those that are really struggling? And then, Father, for those of us that things seem to be going okay right now, what a wonderful thing. Help us to enjoy that season, but then to be ready. Because we know in a broken world, with all of our differences, conflict is surely right around the corner. And, Lord, if we can, at the end of the day, if we could just get to a place where we can approach conflict and fighting in a healthy way, we can move through to the root issues that really matter. And Lord, you can help us to resolve those. And that's what we desire. So we thank you for this time. We thank you for the work you're already doing in our lives. And we look forward to what's to come. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.